Can we be completely honest about sex and intimacy? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make the show? Start the clock! And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. We're going to talk about sex today among other things. Um, and it's a conversation uh, I've been looking forward to to having for a while because uh, my guest today has some real powerful insights in, and information that can uh, really, I think, impact all of our lives. Before I bring him in, I have to talk quickly about uh, a couple of sponsors. Uh, today sponsored by Funwise Capital. You know about Funwise Capital. They're a business lender matching platform that gets you the best lines of credit guaranteed. Uh, you can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit score to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You heard me correctly. I did say start. So if you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, and I don't mean just a whim or, hey, you know what? Uh, things have gone a little bit sour with me uh, at my job. So how about I start a business? That's not enough. You need to get with an accountant, marketing director, have a well-documented business plan. And once you do that, they can help you get funding, get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured term loans, uh, unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding or bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, like I mentioned, uh, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, you just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog, apply.funwise.com slash minddog, and the link will be in the description. Uh, also sponsoring today's program is My Vital C. My Vital C is a supplement that makes some pretty uh, outrageous claims, uh, one being uh, that it can prolong your life by 90% or more, essentially uh, claiming that uh, we can be around to live to 140, 150 years. Now, Chris Burris, who was the CEO of the company that produces My Vital C, was on the program about three months ago now. And uh, when he brought up that claim, I was extremely skeptical, and I, I let him know that. But it also makes some claims that are more down-to-earth such as it can give you more energy, uh, better sleep, and better cognitive function, clarity of thought. Uh, so Chris said, well, since you're a skeptic, how about this? How about I send you a bunch of the product for free? You try it for six to eight weeks and have me back and we'll review your results. So I said, fair game. And he did that. And if you watch this program over a period of time, you know that I did it twice a day, every, uh, every day for six to eight weeks actually about six and a half weeks, and then Chris came back. And the results were pretty pretty astonishing. I did have a lot more energy, slept better. Uh, clarity of thought is one that's totally subjective. I mean, I, you'd have to ask people who know me. Does he seem like he's thinking more clearly? Um, I, that's, but, of course, people claim and psychologists will uh, claim 
that or tell you that uh, if you're sleeping better, you're out, you're going bound to be thinking more clearly and and have better brain function. So it did work for me, and so now I am an advocate of the product. I don't think I'm going to live to be 140, and I'm not even sure I really want to live to be 140. Although I like to see the year 2100 uh but it's available now with a special discount uh go to myvitalc.com uh, uh slash mind dog mind dog <laughs> pointing the wrong direction there folks uh, uh myvitalc.com slash mind dog and use the promo code mind dog tv to get 15 percent but the deal gets better, folks. Uh, if you sign up for the subscription model, you're going to save an extra 15%, uh, making it 30% off. And the subscription model, you can cancel at any time. So if you're not happy in one uh, after a month, you just cancel it before your month is up, actually. And you won't get charged again, and you'll save 30%. So once again, the uh, link is myvitalc.com slash minddog, and the promo code is minddogtv. I do appreciate you patronizing our sponsors. And the links, of course, will be in the description as always. Now on to the big program. As I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about sex, but uh, intimacy and a whole other, uh, a whole lot of other stuff. Because my guest today is an author uh, and uh, counselor, I guess, or um, international speaker and minister on a whole lot of uh, self improvement. Um, topics. David Essel is the number one best-selling author, counselor, master life coach, international speaker, and minister whose, mis- whose mission is to positively affect two million people or more every day in every area of life, regardless of their current circumstances. His current book is called uh, 50 Plus Flavors of Erotic Love. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in David Essel to the Mind Dog TV podcast. David, welcome. Hey, Matt. Great to be with you. It's great to have you here. So how does one go about affecting 2 million or more lives every single day? Well, with Mind Dog, I've already tripled that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's your answer. <laughs> uh, that's a great answer. I, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. Um, but, Matt, in, in honesty, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing interviews like this five days a week. Uh, you know, we have a large mailing list that we, we touch every week with articles on personal growth. We have, I don't know, 2,000 videos uh, on YouTube on personal growth. You know, so when, when you start to put all this stuff together, uh, it, it's really amazing how many people you can positively lift every day. But it's not just coming from one source. You know, I probably mentioned five different sources. Of course, we have 11 books. So books are selling off the shelf, especially during the pandemic. So we have so many people that we're positively affecting with our books. And then I do one-on-one counseling with people all over the world. You know, we average probably eight to 10 counseling sessions a day. So that's eight to 10 people times 365. And, you know, you can see these numbers add up pretty quick, Matt. Yeah, I bet. Um, Two million is a lot, though. But um, so I want I want to because the erotic uh, 50 plus flavors of erotic love is a juicy title. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to click on this video just by seeing the book cover and the title of the book. Uh, but you talk about so much more than that. But I want to start there because um, it, it's all about monogamy and intimacy and having a strong relationship. Now, I, I was affected uh, as a very young man, teenager, actually. Uh, my friend's, very close friend's father was caught having 
and uh, an extramarital affair and said to his son, who was a teenager at the same time with me, he said, man is not meant to be monogamous. And I thought, wow, at that time, it even, I even had the clarity of thought at that time to think, what a terrible thing for a father who's still married to a young man's mother to say to that, that man's, uh, that, that young boy and how it would affect his life. Now, my friend has been through three divorces now uh and so but that thought is still in my mind and and when i think about uh people infidelity especially and incompatibility with with um intimacy i, I that thought co always comes rushing back to me are we meant to be monogamous uh, it's a great question you know one one thing i'll tell you when we look at the number of people having affairs women are almost equal now in married relationships to have affairs. So we can't just say anymore that, you know, the issue is men can't be monogamous because women are catching up, Matt. Right. Um, but but it, let, let me tell you the biggest difference between men and women and why it's easier for men to be non-monogamous and to buy into that theory versus women. And it's a hormone in the body called oxytocin. Oxytocin is called the bonding hormone. Women always have a ton more oxytocin than men. But when a woman has sex, the average woman, now there's about 96% of women that fall into the normal testosterone oxytocin levels, which means that they have very low levels of testosterone, very low levels of, or very high levels of oxytocin. About four to 6% of the female population has very high levels of testosterone and lower levels of oxytocin. So those four to 6% of women that we're talking about could be just as non-monogamous as a man and a lot of it is hormone based. Um, so when we look at oxytocin, when a woman has sex with a man, there is a ton of it released within the woman. There is oxytocin released in the man. The definition of being a bonding hormone says that when it's released, whoever that woman is having sex with is who she wants to bond with. Now, this isn't just a conscious decision. You know, last night I was working with a young woman who doesn't, has no interest in relationships. She only wants friends with benefits or no strings attached because her main focus right now is career. Sounds like a great theory. However, it's not working. Every time she has sex with a guy, the first time she cannot think about him, but when she goes back a week or two weeks later and has sex with him again, all of a sudden feelings start coming out. And then that blows her ability to be non-monogamous and focus on her business. With men, you know, because of a higher level of testosterone and because of what you just said, Matt, you know, society says that a man is being virile when he has multiple affairs, multiple sex partners, but a woman is a slut who does that. <laughs> right. You know, and and it's it's society, it's BS, it's nonsense, but there's a lot of BS and nonsense in society. So this question of monogamy is always a great one. I'm so glad you started with it because I want to come down and say this. If you look at the hormonal and you look at the options to cheat and to have affairs and all that, it still comes down to the same thing with any other addiction, and that is called the choice. Right. I don't care if you have, I have a family history of huge alcohol of addiction. I was an alcoholic and an addict for 30 years, raging, still doing the work I'm doing right now, very successful, but I was an addict. Now, you could say because my family history has a strong line of alcoholics that my addiction was called by, uh, caused by my genetics, which is absolute BS. My addiction was caused by a choice. Peer pressure, I couldn't handle it, so I drank at 12 to be part of the group. And then the story goes on until the day that I got sober. 
So we have to make this decision. We can't be hiding behind, you know, men are not supposed to be monogamous and all that kind of crap. It's a choice. If you want peace of mind, then when you're in a monogamous relationship, you stay monogamous. If you want the adrenaline rush that for most of us is followed by some type of shame, guilt, lying, et cetera, then go have affairs. Right. But, but you know that, you know, if, and this is one of the reasons, the main reason I wrote the book after 40 years in this industry, uh, 50 plus flavors of erotic love is because I realized something, Matt, there's a lot of people and we give a hundred stories through the book that have no idea why they're not sexually or intimately or emotionally fulfilled. They're hmm. still living off of shame and guilt from their churches, from their parents, from society. Oh, there's so many women that never reach orgasm with their husband or boyfriend inside them, not because their husband or boyfriend is too small, because that rarely is the reason. But the reason is, is because they've never learned about their own body. When I work with females and I say, well, you know, do you orgasm with your partner, your husband, your your uh, boyfriend? And a high percentage will say, yes, I do. After they leave. <laughs> you know, so, they're, they're not getting fulfilled while they're with their partner, you know? And one of the reasons is, is that they don't know their own body. Like right. they have never experimented. What's a G spot. I mean, I, I've had women say, what's a G spot. And you know, a G spot is only in a woman and, but they don't know that they can have multiple orgasms. And then once you teach them certain techniques, man, once they read the book and they see that, Oh my God, even though I don't feel like kissing my husband after 10 years and we haven't been intimate in six of the last 10 years, there's ways that we can communicate. There's exercises that David gives in his book to get us back on track. And that's the reason I wrote my first erotic book. Uh, well, there's so much to unpack in that answer. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> now, uh, I guess I want to start with... <clears throat> Is it natural? Because I, I know there are different ages in which we peak sexually, you know, gender wise. Uh, men, and men peak at 19 sexually, and, or, or so I'm told. I'm, I don't know this, actually. I, this is what I've been told. So I don't know this for a fact. I, I mean, I just take what, what I hear from scientists and women more at the age of 40 or so uh, sexually peak. So is it natural for a man to get? less concerned with with sex as he reaches middle age where, where a woman is more concerned with it and, and she's just feeling her oats and saying you know what i and maybe to your point maybe she understands her body a little better and is enjoying it more by that time but a man just feels like wow you know what so too much work for me at this time when i was 19 i, I had plenty of energy for that at this point in life i'm i'm not feeling it so much uh, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, man, I, this just happened in a, in a client session last night. A brand new client came in, a guy, he's 55 years of age. He's dating a woman 45. Of course, you know, in all relationships, usually the first two to three months, you know, even if you're 50, 60, 70, 80 year old guy, it's new, it's passionate. You can perform, you know, on a fairly good basis. But what he's found out now, they've been together for six months, is that he's over it. You know, he right. said, hey, listen. Once a week, you know, at my age, once a week is plenty. I don't need to be competing and trying to think I'm a 22-year-old. But his girlfriend's coming from a totally different perspective. She's saying something similar to what you just said. She goes, you know, this is the first time I have felt sexually liberated. Like, I don't have any hang-ups about sex. It's taken me 45 years to <laughs> learn 
to learn about myself and to realize that sex is good, sex is healthy, you know, especially if you're being protective, if you both haven't had your test done. So she's like this free spirit wanting it three to four days a week. And their relationship is about to break up, Matt, because he just doesn't have the interest. Now, he could, and he went on Viagra for a while and he found that he could perform five days a week if he wanted to, but it's here, Matt, for him. You know, he's over it. He's over the chasing. He's over the courting. He's over the dating. He's over all the energy stuff. And what he wants is a best friend to do things with during the week, once or twice, and then to have sex on Saturdays. That's all he wants. Now, the hard part is, is how does she get her needs fulfilled when they aren't equal? And one of the things that we teach couples that, that enroll in our erotic love program is that, you know, Let's say that a, a, a woman, it, it's she's having her period and some women on their period are very horny and they want sex. A lot of women on their period don't want to have anything to do with it. But let's say that her period goes on and, and you know, the effects that the pre-period and the post-period goes on for seven to 10 days. And let's say that her and her partner are used to having sex twice a week. So here's her male, and we're just talking stereotypical male-female relationship. Here's her male partner that even though she's going to have her period and she doesn't want to have sex, still has his needs. So we'll take couples and we'll say to the woman, hey, you know what? If you're even an average person in bed with a man, you can probably take care of his needs in about 60 to 120 seconds. <laughs> okay, so it's not like you have to go into a mine and chop, you know, or for a couple hours to get a guy to orgasm. So when you don't feel like it for whatever reason, other than like you're having a migraine or something, but when you don't feel like it, learn how to take care of your partner, take care of his needs. It'll take you two minutes. So last night, what I was talking with this gentleman was, and I said, I want you to go home and talk to your girlfriend and say, hey, listen. I know we're on different levels. You're 10 years younger. You're hitting your prime. I'm 10 years older. I just don't even have much of an interest. But what if we did this? What if we had sex intercourse on Saturdays as we have? And what if during the week when you really feel a need to release, I take care of you with my mouth, my fingers, whatever it might be, a vibrator, whatever. So that's the conversation that I sent him home with. And I'll find out next week if she'll buy into it or not, Matt. Well, that's, uh, I think you just hit on the point right there. Now, you're talking very openly about this stuff, and I'm sure some people are hearing what you're saying and think, feeling a little bit of uh, embarrassment or um, uncomfortable with the conversation. And I think that's an important place to start because we are somehow, uh, I'm okay talking with my friends about this, but talking with my wife makes me a little uncomfortable. And she thinks, she for the first, I think, Six years we were married, she she was she found my uncomfortable, or at least she said she found my uncomfortableness uh, w uh, with talking about this stuff cute, like uh, like I was being shy. But it was it, I could talk all day about with my friends about the, my male friends about this kind of stuff, but talking with her did make me a little bit embarrassed. So it took me a long time to be able to open up and actually have a serious conversation about this stuff without making it silly, goofy, or any of that stuff. Yeah. Conversation is is hard, especially for men on this on the subject. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, no, you're dead on, Matt. You know, but here's the great news is that it, it, it's called conversation, which means anyone can learn it. You know, this isn't some trick that women have mastered because a lot of women, when it comes to talking to their boyfriend or husband, shut down. 
Right. It's like they're the Venus flytrap when it comes to sex, for God's sake, you know? And you, you had mentioned something I want to hit on because this is really important. You know, I'm not just talking freely about sexuality because I'm a counselor with all these years of experience. I'm talking about this is crucial for every human being to learn. And the reasons that we don't is shame and guilt. You know, go back to it. You know, I mean, if you were raised in any kind of religion, you don't talk about sex. Most parents have not a clue how to talk about sex. And so they don't. So we have these 15. Well, nowadays, you know, we have 10 year olds on porn on their phones, you know, seeing shit that they should never be seeing at 10 years of age. But parents aren't looking at the parental controls on their phone, you know, and they're not talking about it. And, and so we've got to, and again, in the book, and, you know, just like you and I are talking, Matt, I, I don't want to make this an exceptional conversation. I want this to be a conversation that becomes a normal part of every person's life. Right. So in the book, you know, there's an exercise where we give, I don't know, it's 60 different ways that you can be erotic in the bedroom. You know, everything from wearing a face mask to hot oils to candle dripping. You know, we don't talk about dungeons and chains and drips and, and, and whips, you know, like that's the old erotic love. We're talking 2020 erotic love. And so one of the exercises, which is awesome for people to do who don't have the, the verbal terminology and the confidence to talk is that they go through the list of 60 examples and they circle those ones that they either really are interested in or are aware of and have done. And then you have a conversation with your partner. And, and if I can tell you a personal story of how this happened for me, Matt, is that in 1996, I had been dating a woman for several years and we were madly in love. I loved her body. She loved my body. We every, Everything synced. You know, the way we kissed was amazing. And yet I never told her any of this. And even though I was a counselor in 1996, I had the same shame and guilt that most people carry today. And I said, you know, if I start talking to her about her body, she's going to think I'm objectifying her. <laughs> if I start talking about her body, she's going to say I'm a pig. So I didn't for a number of years. And then one day we're out, and the full story is in the book, but one day we're out at the restaurant, and I go and get the car, and as she's standing outside, I see her, her silhouette in the moonlight was so freaking sexy. It blew <laughs> my mind. You know, like, I realized that I needed to share with her what I was feeling inside, and but I couldn't do it verbally. So we get home, and I had just gotten a computer in 1995, so this is a year later, and I drew up this really intense email. And, and I said, dear so-and-so, you know, I just want to let you know that tonight was magical and I couldn't wait to get home to make love to you. The dinner was incredible, but seeing you in the silhouette of the moon with your breast and your ass and everything else silhouetted perfectly drove me absolutely nuts. I don't know how you're going to reply to this. I hope it's positive. I'm taking a big risk. But I want to tell you as much as I can about your body and why you turn me on. I want to talk to you about the way you French kiss and how it drives me crazy. I want to tell you your eyes are always so sparkling and stunning. Now, Matt, this should be normal. Right. Uh, what I'm saying isn't anything X-rated that, you know, couples, you know, this is what we should be doing. No, I bet that went over very well. I mean, I, I, I can't. I would think um, most women would be extremely turned on by that. I don't know that for a fact, but I would think so. <laughs> well, you know, when you're coming from your heart, 
and you're being specific, you know, and this is what I, t- I teach my clients all the time. You know, don't say, I-, I think you're beautiful. Say, I think you're beautiful because of, you know, these things. Don't say, I, I love your body. Say, I love your body and go into more detail, like get very specific. So I sent her the email and, you know, I, I cannot find her email response, but you're dead on, Matt. It was off the charts. As a matter of fact, she comes racing over to me after reading the email, gives me this big kiss, looks me in the eyes and said, we've been together all these years and you've never once mentioned anything about how much I turn you on. She said, you, you're talking about my body in ways you never have. She goes, do you know how turned on I am by you right now just by reading your thoughts? <laughs> and then she said this, Matt. She said, I've always wanted to ha- be dressed in a latex suit for you. Let's go get one right now. <laughs> so my liberation liberated her. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I, there's so again, there's so much to unpack in that uh, answer. Uh, but I, I would start with the the end there, where you said uh, she felt liberated enough to to um, explain to you what she really wanted. Now, a lot of us are just hung up about what if I tell my wife what I really want and she reacts badly to it, or or and is totally freaked out by it. Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I I never knew, and not that's bad or whatever her reaction is. How do you get past that? First of all, the fear of, of, of her having that reaction. And then if she does have that reaction, explain to her why it's not, it's not freaky. It's not, it's it's not abnormal to have those kind of thoughts. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, the definition, we, we have 11 books out and the book that came out before the 50 plus flavors, uh, is called um, Love and Relationship Secrets That Everyone Needs to Know. In that book, Matt, we talk about the definition of what true intimacy is. And true intimacy is not what people think it is. In a monogamous relationship, true intimacy is 110% honesty with your partner. Very few people ever reach true intimacy. Of course, because of that fear that I just meant, mentioned. So, so how do we get past that? <laughs> well, first of all, what, going back to your example, you know, if if you've never talked to your partner about erotica, you've never talked about wearing a mask or, you know, or, or restraints or all the different options that you have to make your monogamous relationship long lasting, healthy and fun, then you've got to start at the lowest common denominator. And, and let me tell you a story of what that might look like. And this is going to freak out some of your listeners because it seems so basic. But this guy came to me. And in the book, we talk about in all relationships, there's two personality types. There's the more assertive and the more passive. And in the world of erotica, we call it the more dominant partner and the more submissive partner. Now, a man could be as submissive to a, a dominant female as a, a, a female who's submissive could be that to a dominant male. It goes across the board and we give stories about that on both sides of the equation. But what we need to know is, is that there's going to be someone that has to be the leader. And when you're the leader and you're the more dominant, the more assertive person, you are the one that's you're the only one that's going to change the relationship. Most passive submissive people aren't going to bring up, hey, do you want to do this really fun thing this weekend? But what we need to do is one person has to take charge and then they're the ones that has to start out really slow. So going back to the story, this guy that was a very dominant 
alpha male in the bedroom had has a great relationship with a very submissive woman a very passive woman their love life was great but they had been together a number of years and they were getting bored so he joined my program on erotic love she was a little too shy to do it at first she came in later and he says to me hey i don't know there's something missing you know, he said, we do the restraints and we do the eye masks and we do role playing and all these fun things that you teach, David, but there's still something missing. So I said to him, there, there was at the time, there was this organization called the Sinclair Institute that put out lovemaking videos that weren't like pornography with guys with 10 foot schlongs and, you know, women with 38 double G breasts, you know, <laughs> it was normal couples making love, but doing it, you know, there was an oral sex video, there was all these different things. So I said, go and watch a series of these videos and see if you see on screen what's missing. He comes back the next week, he was blushing red, he sat down. He goes, David, I feel like a two-year-old. Actually, he said, I feel like a junior high school student when I'm going to tell you this. And I said, what? He goes, I found out what's missing in our relationship. He said, we haven't French kissed in years. And now that might not seem abnormal, but Matt, most couples, as they stay together longer, French kiss less. Right. I, that's absolutely true. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's a peck on the cheek or, you know, when you have sex, you bury your head into someone's neck. You know, there's no freaking eye contact, for God's sake, and there's no French kissing. But the reason why that's so powerful and it grabbed his attention is because I remember in junior high, Matt, you know, I wasn't having a lot of sex with women back then, but I was having a lot of French makeouts. French kissing that would make me feel like I was going to explode in any second. I mean, and it would last an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in a car and you <laughs> can't get enough. So I said to him, well, there's a real logical reason of why that turned you on watching the video. I said, because there are millions of nerve endings on the lips, inside of the cheek, the tongue that stimulate the brain that releases a wetness in a woman and an erection in a man. And it can all come from freaking French kissing because of the nerve endings. So for our audience, Matt, today, you know, if, if that's maybe where you start, you know, like you're nervous about talking about sex and you're nervous, oh my God, if I asked my wife to wear an eye mask, she would probably knock me out. Well, then don't start with an eye mask. Start with, you know, a French kissing. And then here's another story. A woman came to me and her husband was a CPA. He was very black and white, straight and narrowed, didn't want to do anything other than missionary sex. And so I gave her the same exercise, watched some videos. And here's something that might seem freaky to some, but it's not to a lot. When she saw a man on a video kissing his wife's toes and then sucking on her toes, she went crazy. Like she doesn't know why it affected her that way, but she went home to her CPA <laughs> husband and, and, and they hadn't been having sex and they were arguing all the time. And he was really turned off by her because he wanted sex on a regular basis. And so she said, hey, I know we aren't getting along, but I watched a video and, and he knew she was working with me that David asked me to watch. And would you please try this? I'm going to wash my feet. I'm going to dry them. They're going to be perfect. And within minutes, she was orgasming, which when she was making these noise by him kissing and licking her toes and she's orgasming all over the place. Well, what do you think happened to him? 
Right, he got hard, really he got hard. So excited, <laughs> and and you know, as as funny as some of these little stories are, Matt. You know, I start out with the simplest common denominator of let's not throw someone into a dungeon and say, "Hey, I want to do sex differently." Right. Let's start out with things that you know you might agree on, or read the book and see there's examples that hey, we've never tried this before. Let's give it a shot. Right. For people who are watching on on one of the video stream platforms, uh, uh, there's a red light. I'm not I'm not really blushing. Um, um, (laughs) You you mentioned so much. Again, there's so much to unpack in that answer. Uh, But we is it because I have a friend who's been married for 40 years. He has. and he's confessed to me that he hasn't really had sex with his wife in, in 35 years since their uh, youngest daughter was uh, was born. And it, it, but they still have a, a they're still in love. I can tell they're still in love. They still have a loving relationship. Is sex really that? Because you said before it's important for every human to to kind of for every human being to really get this about intimacy is sex really vitally important for, for that kind of relationship? Because they both seem fine. Although I never talked to her about what her, how she really feels about that. But I know his, his opinion is, you know what? It just takes too much work. He'd rather masturbate uh, than, and get it over with really quickly than put in all the, the work that it takes to actually have sex. And so is that, is it vitally important for people to still happily married 45 years later or whatever it is? Well, Matt, you said something really clear. We don't know how happy they are. Uh, we we have not a clue. Listen, very few people are going to come out and say, we haven't had sex in 35 years and we are great. Very few people are going to say that. And if they do, we don't know if it's true or not. We you know you're not in their house. I'm not in their house. Who knows if, you know, if someone, if, if you, if you have the right partner that also has an incredibly low sex drive and has no interest in it, can you be happy? Yeah. The odds of two extremely low sex drive people finding each other in 7 billion is pretty small. And so one of my concerns is, is that, you know, when a man chooses not to put time into his wife for, for a sexuality, what's going on in her mind? How is it destroying her self-confidence? How is it destroying her self-esteem? How is it destroying her emotional connection with her husband? Because more often than not, it is. If a man is using pornography in order to masturbate to get his needs met, now he's cheating. Right. Well, that's that's called an affair. Right. I wanted I wanted to talk about that because you brought it up before about young kids, young people having access to pornography. And before when you talked about Viagra, that that thought, because my belief is that all these reliance on on boner pills, (laughs) however you want to call them, is because we have porn addiction and too many men can't get it up simply because they're beaten off too much watching porn. And uh, they and they think the pill is the answer. The pill is to, to turn the porn off. (laughs) well and you know if if you have a partner and let's just you know stereotypically say you're a guy and you want to masturbate if you have a partner and you say to her hey you know i'm gonna go online and masturbate we're having sex once a week and i really like to have sex three or four times a week um are you okay with that okay then now we're talking about a mature intimate relationship because intimacy is 110 percent honesty 
But if you go behind your partner's back as a woman or a man, and they don't know that you're masturbating, I don't care if you're in the shower or watching porn, you're doing it because you're not getting your needs met. All that's going to do is create resentment. It's going to create a breakdown of communication. So going back to your question, you know, I really think that there's got to be, in my opinion, unless you happen to find a match that has zero sex drive as well, I think physical intimacy is a really huge part. And that's what should separate you having a, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband. One of the things that separates it from having just a best friend is you get to do what you don't do with other people. You get to, you know, the skin is the largest sex organ on the body. So even if you just, you know, used a feather on your partner's skin, on their nipples, on, you know, on their genitalia, you know, you don't have to go crazy. But I do think that there's a bond in a, a committed relationship that grows deeper with physical intimacy. Now, you'll notice when I was talking about the feather, Matt, I wasn't even talking about intercourse. Right. But, but there's a, let me pay attention to you. Let me give you a massage every Saturday. Let me massage your feet every Wednesday. You know, that that's intimacy as well. And if there's none going on, well, I, you know, I've got a, a bunch of concerns with it. But number one, if we shut down our intimate connection, you're, you're a terrible role model for your children. You're a horrendous role model for your children. If you're not holding your wife or husband's hand and kissing them on the lips in front of your children, you're doing a great disservice to showing them what an intimate romantic relationship looks like. And from zero to 18 in the world of therapy, this is where most of our beliefs, and I talk about this in the book, this is where most of our hangups, our beliefs, our shame, our guilt, our lack of communication occurs because we have role models that aren't being sensual with each other. I'm not talking about having sex in front of your kids. I'm talking about kissing them on the lips, French kissing them, holding their hands, telling them you love them. Like zero to 18, kids need that. They need to see intimacy, romance. And then when they don't see that, of course, they're going to create their own vision, which is probably going to be somewhat abnormal. And they'll find an abnormal partner to replicate what they didn't get to see correctly when they were kids. Does that make sense, Matt? Absolutely. You know, I almost want to lay on the couch and say, listen, Doc, here's my situation. Uh, I never, ever saw my parents being affectionate with each other. Never. I walked in on them having sex one time when I was a teenager and, and it totally freaked me out um uh, because they i guess they forgot to lock the door they thought i was out for the day or whatever and uh, i just forgot something came back and i walked in and they were on the couch and i was like uh, and so that kind of scarred me a little bit but i did see my father cheat on my mother several times with the with neighbors and other women so that definitely affected the person i i grew up to be because i never saw them uh affectionate with each other ever in my life never like so it's what you're talking about i have a I, there's so many questions here and we have limited time but i want to go back to something you brought you you talked about before about dominance and submissiveness uh i am dominant in the bedroom but i won't be dominant until i know that she's turned on which is kind of a weird thing. But so I like a woman to make the first move, even a small first move, so that I know she's horny, and then I become dominant. Is that, can because I, I did a lot of reading reading on this, and because I know my wife, uh, she's, she's a submissive. And so right. that we, we 
we are compatible on that. But I did a lot of reading on it, and, I, and the thing that shocked me was uh, the submissive person is usually actually the one who's got more power in the relationship. And that kind of uh, scarred me a little bit. Like, where do I go with this now? Because I always cherished my uh, dominance. You know, that was a, a, a source of pride for me. Now I'm, my head's turned around. Like, what am I? Should I be submissive so I can get power back? Uh, <laughs> And, and is that what that waiting for her to make that first move? So I know she's a oh, she's you know a, a sexy mood and wants me. Then I become dominant. Uh, can you talk about any of that and give me some clarity about what's going on with with that? You know, my first my first comment is this, Matt. Whatever you're doing, if it's working and you guys are both happy, don't change a damn thing. No matter what I say next, okay? Okay. <laughs> Be, because sometimes people have great relationships and they don't recognize it. And they think they need to change in some dramatic way, and they really don't. So, you know, if I were you, I'd be sitting talking to my wife tonight, and I'd say, hey, I talked to David today. I got a couple questions for you. How happy are you with our sex life? How happy are you waiting for me to make sure that you're turned on before I become dominant? Would you like me to be more assertive and just tell you that I'm ready and then see what your reaction is? Like, I would discuss this, and this is part of 110% intimacy, Matt. Right. You know, well, this I, is if I may, I already know the answer to that. She is frustrated by by me by my wanting her to make the first move. I know that that's an issue. Definitely. Okay. Now, if you can hear me, Matt, that and and don't take this personally. Just take it as a, a, a therapeutic fact. That would say that there's insecurity on your part and a fear of you being rejected, turned down by your wife. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so what we want to do in, in the world of assertive, the dominant partner, we need to work through our own insecurities and we need to do what we feel is natural. However, it always has to be consensual. So let's say that Matt decides he's going to take charge. And tonight you don't ask your wife, you don't wait to see if the sign that you're looking for and you just go for it. OK, and let's say she says, oh, God, you know what? I had a horrendous day. I love the fact of making love to you, but I am just not there. We have to respect that. I don't care how damn dominant someone is. You've got to respect your submissive's wishes as well. Now, if it gets to a point where that a submissive is constantly saying no, then what she's doing is called topping from the bottom. And that's a really fancy term that means that she's frustrated and she's trying to dominate you. By always saying no. So, you know, we, we don't want that kind of chaos and drama. And, you know, my, my publicist, TJ, calls our new book, 50 Plus Flavors of Erotic Love, 50 Shades of Gray Meets Therapy. Because in 50 <laughs> Shades of Gray, there was a bunch of chaos and drama that's not necessary in a dominant submissive relationship. Um, you know, it turned on a lot of people. It got a ton of conservative women out into the bookstores, out into movie theaters, watching, because this is what they want. You know, listen, as sexual beings, what we want is electricity. And I write in the book, and I've been doing this a long time, I have never found a more electric, monogamous way to love someone than the dominant, submissive, or the assertive, passive relationship. With the different options that you have, it's endless. You know, there's a going back to uh, another story in a book. I was working with a woman and, of course, her husband knew how she was working with me. She told him she was frustrated with the lack of variety in sex. 
He was a CPA, another CPA, very straight, black and white. And so she, we worked together for 10 weeks, the wife and I. I had her doing a ton of journaling of her desires, what she wanted, that she was never able to say to her husband because like what you were saying, Matt, she was afraid of rejection. So we get through with the course. She's a totally changed woman. She goes home and she's going to sit down that night and talk to her husband just point blank about all the different things she wanted to do. And there was a note on the bed and it said, hi, honey, take a shower right now. Put your hair up. Wear my favorite perfume. There's new lingerie in the closet. There's also new six inch heels in the closet. Put them all on. And when you come to the bed, reach underneath and there's a small box there. There'll be several different toys in the box. I want you to take out which ones you want me to use on you first and put the mask on. Now, this blew her mind. Like, like she's thinking she's going to have to have this really heavy discussion with him and all this stuff she learned from our course. And so she goes, oh, my God, what is this? And she decides just to follow the directions. So her husband comes into the room. She can hear him. She can't see him. And he comes over and he and one of the things she had taken out was a feather. So he starts at her toe and he slowly goes all the way up her body, around her nipples, across her lips. And then he leans down and he says this. I've been reading all of the notes from your sessions with David. I know exactly what you want and you're going to receive it for the rest of your life. Wow. <laughs> is that intense? That is pretty intense. Now, this is a couple that hadn't had sex in 10 years. They barely kissed anymore. And in this one period of time, you know, the 10 week course and then her going home and in just that short period of time, Matt, everything about their connection was turned around. So, you know, I want couples right now. I'm sure there's people watching going, God, that would never happen for me. And that'll never happen for me. And that'll happen. never. Happen. Or maybe you've got people that are with us right now that are single going, well, none of this works for me. We have stories in the book of helping single people before they get into a relationship, start to learn about their wants, needs and desires. So what we're trying to do is put a really logical stamp. I'm one of the most important things we'll ever have in life. And that is a sensual, physical, intimate, monogamous relationship. It's one of the most fulfilling things that we could all have. And yet so many people stay together just to stay together, but they're unhappy. Wow. Um, you know, it all comes down to, as you mentioned, uh, real, real honesty, lots of real honesty in there. But and and uh, everybody you know in the self help world will tell you what, after the butt comes there's usually bullshit uh but uh but again this is uh, not bullshit in in the fact that a as we live together and have a life together and have children together and work and and keep a home together often we let our bodies go. And so you were talking about how, how you were so turned on about uh, your girlfriend's body and all that stuff. The fact is, sometimes we let ourselves go and we might not find our, our partner that uh, attractive anymore. And how do you go about having that conversation? Uh, you know, obviously, you should, you should not let yourself go or, or either of yourself go and try to stay attractive as you can for your partner. But, um, that doesn't always happen. So when it does happen, how do you do have that conversation without hurting somebody and saying, you know what? You gained too much weight. You're not that, you're not turning me on anymore or, or any of that. 
Man, it happens all the time. And what we say is um, whoever I'm working with, we ask them to go home and talk to their partner about joint life changes. So, you know, honey, we've been together for 30 years and and I love you very much. I, I don't want to be with anyone else, but I've noticed that we are letting ourselves go. So you always use the word we. You never use the word you. You know, so that we could be doing better with our lifestyle. We could be doing right. better with our health. So what I'd like to do is starting next week, I'd love for you and I to get on the same plane together. And let's do this. Let's walk together five days a week for 45 minutes. Let's clean up our diet and get rid of the alcohol and the chips and all the crap. Let's really get into each other again. Let's make these positive changes so we're both the healthiest and the happiest we can be. Matt, that's where I would start. And always use the word we, always make it a joint plan and see if that can get your partner into the right mindset to change. Interesting. We is is a big part of that. And I never, never even considered that. But uh, if you're not being uh, honest, you know, 100% honest, you're never going to get to that point anyway. So that's, you know, that's a difficult thing. And I think that's really at the at the bottom of all this is that honesty and what keeps us from being honest is you know you 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 mentioned it already is like uh in my case it it can be fear of rejection but fear of anything fear of how it's going to be perceived fear of hurting somebody all that stuff is what will keep us from being honest and and i think that's a, a detrimental thing uh so but now uh moving forward with with the conversation now uh as time goes on now again you you're things that complicate a relationship and we're talking mostly here about heterosexual uh marriages and i don't mean to be discriminative discriminative here at all but this is what i know and this is what most couples are interested in i'm thinking it's different for for uh, homosexuals because a guy knows a guy's mind. <laughs> you kind of both think the same. This, uh, and I might be wrong about that, but I'm going to stick with just the heterosexual talk here. So you're, you're married, you got kids and then sometimes grandchildren and there are people in the house. And so that complicates your ability to be intimate and, and, uh, you know, the, the whole, uh, the kids are here tonight and all that kind of stuff. And so makes it, makes the fire go out a little bit with, with that stuff and i'm i'm really feeling it tonight i'm i'm interested in doing it. and she says oh we can't we got you know the kids are in the bedroom next door how do you get past that you've got to have contingency plans matt just like anything else you know <laughs> you do you know <laughs> if you can't think ahead and and plan something i mean it might be something simple like oh my god honey we totally forgot tomorrow the kids are coming I really want to be intimate with you tonight. Let me take care of you. You know, one of the things that we didn't mention yet, Matt, that we talk a lot about in the book is that we are promoting worshiping of your partner. And I don't care if you're the dominant or the submissive, the assertive or the passive. You know, we teach people through the book how to worship. And so hmm. let's say that you've got kids coming in and, 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 you know, just to make it stereotypical, the husband's going, oh, my God, we've got company in the next three days. We're not going to be able to be intimate. Can we tonight? And, you know, and the wife goes, oh, my God, no, I've got so much to prepare. I've got to make food. I've got to shop. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. We've got to have a contingency plan. And that's where we go back to, okay, I know your mind is not here right now, but I really, could you just take care of my needs? 
would you just, it'll, you know, again, talking from a guy's perspective, it'll take you two minutes, honey. I'll help you out. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, but, but if we don't plan and if we don't try options, then here's my greatest concern, Matt, is that once we say, well, the kids are here and then the next week, well, it's the cat's birthday. And then the next week, well, you know, my great grandmother died 200 years ago on this date. <laughs> you know, the minute we get out of the habit and, and I see this for 40 years, you know, I see people that were vibrant in the beginning of their relationship. Then at the end of a year, they're coming in 20 years later thinking of divorce because they've had no intimacy. Right. So I think we've got to take a little bit more responsibility for this. I think we have to have contingency plans and We've got to really get to know our partner's wants, needs, and desires, not just ours. And then we really need to get to know ours. I mean, there's too many men and women in this world, Matt, that don't even know what they're missing because they don't know their own needs and desires. Right. I get that. I you definitely know, get that. And, and that's, you know, and that, as a counselor, when I'm working with clients and we, we do it, people from all over the world. I would say 80% of people that start me with me and I say, you know, tell me the, 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 the 10 most incredible physical things during sexuality that turn you on. And I'll have people come up with two. You know, I'll say if they're in a relationship, you know, give me two or three things that your partner does to you in an intimate way that just drives you crazy. And sometimes people go, you know, we're just doing mechanical sex. Um, so we don't have the communication, but even before the communication is we've got to know our bodies. We've got, because everyone's drive is different. You know, we, we have guys in their seventies that want sex four times a week. And we've got guys in their twenties and thirties. And, and this is a very well-known fact now. And I believe it's because of the hormones and all the crap on our food. We've got guys in their twenties and thirties that absolutely need Viagra to have sex, which is a, a very, very sad thing to see. Yeah. But my physicians that are that are are, are are urologists will tell me all the time is that these thirty-year-olds are coming in and they're with someone they love and they're not, you know, having ten different uh, relationships, uh, you know, friends with benefits relationships. There's no guilt. There's no shame that's interfering with their ability to perform but they've just had such crap in their bodies from the beginning that the testosterone levels are extremely low. Um, the stress in society, of course, can help lower the testosterone levels as well. And, and it's a sad thing. But then here's the good news. As one of my doctor friends in LA, who I talked to regularly said, you know, he had a 30 year old that couldn't get an erection from 27 on. And he finally went to this doctor at 30 and they gave him Viagra and it worked perfectly. And when he came back for a refill, the doctor said, okay, I'm glad it worked perfectly. Now, do you know the origin of your erectile dysfunction? And of course, the kid goes, no, I don't have a thing. I don't know anything about it. He goes, well, you know, tell me your average diet, what it's been like for 30 years. And right away, he was able to see, you know, that the alcohol combined with the high fat foods combined with all the junk had totally screwed up his endocrine system, his hormonal system. So they got him eating clean. They got him exercising. And guess what? The erection came back spontaneously. So huh. I, think, I think we need to look within ourselves and we need to know our bodies, Matt. We need to know our partners. And as importantly, once we know ours and our partner knows their needs and desires, then we need to be able to like mature adults sit down and say, hey, I'm a little nervous. And this is okay to say this. Honey, I'm really nervous to have this conversation because I'm feeling embarrassed. I feel a little bit of shame and I'm so afraid you're going to reject me. But 
on the same token, I'd love to be able to speak more openly. Would you listen to what I have to say and then give me feedback in the kindest way possible? You know, like we can do that, man. And that's, there's nothing wrong with it. There's everything good with sitting down and trying to learn how to communicate with our partner about one of the toughest topics in the world, sex. Right. Well, I wish we had two hours be, or, or even more because there's so much. I, I feel like I'm learning a lot. And if I'm learning a lot, the audience is learning a lot, too. But uh, we only have about five minutes left. I want But since you brought this up, uh, E.D., um, I think sometimes we, we are too quick. And I, I agree that, you know, diet has a lot to do with it. And there are young men and, and people of all age ages who uh can experience trouble in that area and it's not a completely unnatural thing i think sometimes we are too quick to assume it's chronic erectile dysfunction when it's perfectly natural for an occasional instance to come up and but we're so afraid of of acknowledging that one instance that it becomes a mental block then and we think oh my god i couldn't get it up last night i'm now i'm not going to have sex tonight because i i'm afraid that's going to happen again if if it keeps happening uh you know my my image my self-image as a man just will completely disappear so i think it's uh, you know you talk about honesty between couples i think as a society we have to be more uh honest about the fact that it's okay to one, you know, if it's an occasional thing, it happens to you, laugh it off and, and try to kind of uh, deal with it. If it becomes chronic, then you have an issue. But I think we're too quick to prescribe pills sometimes because of this. And the other part of it is I had a, a guy who was a cybersecurity guy on, and he mentioned to me that devices are killing men's uh, erection because if they keep a, a cell phone right in their pocket or on a belt thing, the radiation from that can, can be a problem too. So there's a lot of different causes for that. But how do you, how, what would you say to a young man who uh, gets too caught up in an occasional, uh, you know, if it happens once, it's not really a problem. And I don't think you're ready for Viagra if it happens once, but because of the mental thing of it happening once, we could get caught up in that. Uh, oh my God. I hope it doesn't happen again. And now I don't want to have sex with my girlfriend or my wife. Yeah. Well, number one is, um, here we go back to, uh, you know, intimacy, 110% honesty. Uh, you know, I would sit down and say to my partner, Hey, I'm not sure what's going on. This is weird. Um, but, you know, continue to touch me. Let's keep talking. I'm not going to run away because it's not working right now. Not sure what's going on. You know, like, let, let's have an open dialogue. It's, it's, it, it, it is embarrassing at first for a man to be able to say, holy crap, this hasn't happened before. or This happened once five years ago. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough conversation. But then we go back to what's the definition of intimacy? 110% honesty. If it becomes a pattern, then that's where the very first thing I say is go to a hormone specialist. Don't go to your general doctor. Go to a hormone specialist. Get a complete panel of estrogen, testosterone, et cetera, because one of the things we're seeing, and again, a lot of this is diet-related, younger men are having extremely high levels of estrogen. Estrogen decreases the ability to hold strong, hard erections. So all of a sudden, you see testosterone dropping, estrogen rising, a lot of it because of stress and the food we eat and drink and all that crap, we can get it back regulated to be the way it's supposed to be, not just with supplementation, but also with lifestyle change. And right. again, you know, if it's a pattern, get help. 
if it happened once or twice, talk to your partner openly. At least get the shame and guilt off your chest so you guys can have a dialogue. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, the book, again, is called 50 Plus Flavors of Erotic Love. It's just his latest book. There's, uh, You know, there were so many things in your previous books that I would love to be able to pick your mind about because uh, I think I'm on the same uh, page with you is a, a lot of you know of, of what your work is about because uh, I think I'm a believer. I think there's a lot, and I would suggest people again. The the URL is in the bottom there. It's davidessel.com. Just simple and check out the books. Uh, there's a lot of uh, misinformation about positive thinking and law of attraction and all that kind of stuff that I would love to talk to you about. And those are other books that David covers. Uh, and I encourage people to check them out as well. But uh, the current book is called uh, 50 plus flavors of erotic love and it's been an informative hour for me i'm sure the audience has gotten a lot out of this again i wish i had like days to kind of pick your mind on on this stuff i appreciate your time and i wish you great success with this and all, all i can say is it's a pity an hour is already flown. Oh, God, I know, man. Hey, listen, anytime you want me back, you know, we, we have a thousand topics to talk about. Just reach out to TJ. I have had a blast with you. I love your questions. They were really insightful, very deep. And your questions are helping your audience, Matt, maybe even more than you know. So I, I hope so. I mean, it's as you, uh, I set my goals a little lower than you, maybe not 200 million, but if I can reach 200,000 a month with, and that's basically what my downloads are right now, if I can affect some of those people and they can share that with other people, I think I, I you know what, I, my legacy is not meaningless if I, if I'm helping people, right? So, <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and I uh, wish you great success. And yes, I will be, definitely be get in touch with TJ and, and ask to have you back perfect man have a great day you too bye for now okay this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. 
They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. David Essel, folks, uh, I'm sure, like I said, I learned a lot in that hour, uh, and I could go on with questions for days uh, about all this kind of stuff with him. And it's a frank discussion that I'm sure a lot of people are not used to hearing that kind of honesty in a daytime talk show. Uh, but I do appreciate his frankness and his honesty, and I'm sure you will too. I hope you enjoyed this program. Hope you come back, tell your friends about it, subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. Go to MindDogTV.com, get on my mailing list. And questions and comments for me, always info at MindDogTV.com. Just a quick uh, note, I do not have a show at 8 p.m. tonight because I'll be out performing in Lindenhurst, New York uh, with, with the band, the Rockin' 45s. Uh, you can check out the website if you're in the area and want to check us out. Uh, other than that, I will be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Soren P. Bennett, who's a uh, t- television film star and a keynote speaker, motivational speaker. So until 1 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day. Come out and see the band tonight. And bye for now. <laughs> I've seen that look you won't be You're feeling lost and so unsure Looking for an open door It seems so hard to find Can't you see I feel it too Communication is coming through Feeling lost and I'm so confused Maybe I can't read your mind But you don't have to say the words Cause I know what you're thinking I can't feel your heart From across the room And I can tell that you Leaving on your mind You will be going soon Ooh, yeah Soon So I wonder where we go from here The destination is so unclear But I can't feel that the end is You're thinking I can't feel can your feel heart it. from across the room I can tell that you, that you got leaving on your mind You will be going soon Yeah. Got leaving on your mind